0: Just go to indeed.com slash Bluewire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey guys, before we get to today's episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about Blue Wire. I think a lot of you know what Blue Wire is. You've heard Scott and I talk about it. It was founded in 2018. It's a podcast network, sports podcast network that the Bronx Pinstripe Show has been a part of for a while. But it, it goes deeper than that, obviously, for Scott and I. Scott ha- joined the company in 2020, actually, like right when the pandemic was starting, as they were getting off the ground floor with Blue Wire. And then I joined Blue Wire in early 2021. And so this company has a lot of meaning to both Scott and I and Bronx Pinstripes joined the podcast network in 2019 when it was a very, very young company. There was only a handful of podcasts on Blue Wire at the time. We we took a chance on Blue Wire on, on joining the network. We had had experiences with some other podcast networks out there doing some ad selling for us. And frankly, we're, we're just not happy. Uh, Scott and I started Bronx Pinstripes in 2015, the podcast, the website had been around for years before that, but we started the podcast in 2015 as a passion. Um, But it grew to a level that we could make some money by selling ads on it. And that's not to say that's the only reason we did it. Of course, it wasn't. We wouldn't have started it if we did not love doing it and continue to love doing it. But as the years went on and we realized that it could be a, you know, a little bit of a side business for Scott and I, and as our lives became much more hectic, we of course wanted to make a little bit of money doing the show. Um, and, you know, Scott had had Kemp in 2017. I had Harrison in 2021, and now I have Lucid born th- just this year. So, you know, Scott and I have had these conversations as we continue to do this show and spend hours of our week watching the team, uh, hours of our, our weeks and days, you know, thinking about the show, creating content for the show. Um, we, we of course want to make it the best it can be, but also, you know, get value from it and, and earn some money. And, and that's, I say all that because that's where blue wire came in for us. They were able to more consist consistently monetize our content than any other network had that we had been partnered with prior to that. And when Scott joined BlueWire officially as a full-time employee in 2020, they were getting off the ground floor. They were expanding the company, figuring out what it would be. It's grown into a network of 300 shows and over 120 million downloads annually, uh, primarily in the sports space. But there's so much great content on BlueWire, and BlueWire connects sponsors with individual content creators. Uh, BlueWire does not own content like some other, you know, companies out there do. We believe that content creators should remain independent. Um, Ultimately, that is a great working relationship for both parties. That if BlueWire can provide uh, independence to the content creator, both on the, you know, ownership side and on the, you know, financial side, then that is an ideal working relationship. And it, it has been working for, for, for many years. Um, and, and I'm talking to you today about BlueWire because we are doing a community fundraising round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a really great platform that connects investors to companies. And the amazing thing about it is you do not have to be a millionaire to invest in these companies. You can invest for as little as $100 on WeFunder um, and you own a percentage of Blue Wire or whatever company you invest in on WeFunder. But if you go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire right now, you can see our story. You can read our story and you, you'll see our financials and what we're projecting for growth in the next year, in the next five years, and why we're raising money now. We are raising money to invest back in our business with key hires, specifically on the sales side as well as some technology builds to just better operate our business. You know, to date, Blue Wire has raised about $12 million, but uh, we are on the verge of profitability as a business uh, going into 2024. And with uh, this community fundraising round on WeFunder, we are extremely confident not only that we'll get there, but that um, it will allow us to continue to scale and and grow the network and ultimately provide services to these independent podcasters that have been working with us for many years. So the only thing I'm asking you guys to do is go check out the page, go to wefundercom slash blue wire, read through the page. If you find it interesting, or if you find, if you think someone, you know, would find it interesting and potentially want to invest, then by all means you can take the next step. You could also reach out to me directly. Uh, even though I don't, Tweet a bunch anymore. I still do check my DMs. I have conversations going with a lot of you in in DMs. So if you have questions, you can DM me directly. But you could also just submit the uh, the questions on the WeFunder page. Um, I really appreciate all of the support you guys have given us, both Scott and I, over the years, and that you guys continue to listen, especially during this time when the Yankees are not good. Um, But this is extremely important to, obviously, Blue Wire, but also Bronx Pinstripes, which has been a part of their network since 2019 and will be a part of the Blue Wire network for years and years to come. So, you know, one final time, go to WeFunder.com slash Blue Wire. Check that out and uh, appreciate all the support, guys. Thank you very much.
2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi, and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Yes, we're still doing the podcast, even though the Yankees are not going to make the postseason. Scott, apparently, you guys are telling me, I missed a banger of an episode last episode, where you guys talked to Goodman and... um, Who did it? Was it the three of you with Ilya or
2: I I didn't listen. So I don't know. Tell me about it. It was uh, Logan and I did the did the morning Ilya was on with the uh, Max Max Goodman. And yeah, I thought it was, you know, there was a lot of free flowing conversation, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff from the uh, from the heart. A lot of a lot of I was getting a little just getting a little fired up talking to uh, to Max and and just uh, I actually, you know what it ended up being? It ended up being a little selfish, to be honest. It ended up being an opportunity to talk about the Yankees to somebody different, and and to see what they had to say. And you don't like me? You don't like talking to me? No, it's not so much that. It's just uh, I'm just curious. Is like, are we all living in a vacuum? And it turns out that we are. We're in a vacuum. Everybody thinks exactly the same. Everybody realizes that it's the same thing over and over again. It's the uh, it's the Truman Show. You know, there's a, there's a there's a lot of things here that um you know, are the same on a daily basis. And the beat writers feel that very much. So you, you can, you can tell that with the, with the answers that are, that are received from Aaron Boone, but also the questions. And, and there's just not that many places to go for them, uh, unfortunately right now. And it's a tough spot for everybody. Honestly, it's a really weird time. I was texting you before earlier today. I'm like, it feels like off season content, but we have a month plus left in the season. And and we have two episodes per week and we're in a really weird spot. This has never happened before, right? Like there was always something. There was either a wild card or an A or a division race or the kids were coming up or, and, and right now we're, we're in like no man's land because they're not competing for the division. They're not com- certainly not competing for the division. They're competing for second to last place. Kind of. They're like seven games out of that, over the basement. Um, and they're out of the wild card push at this point. Seattle has just taken over the division in the West, which has made the wild card even more of a, you know, a cluster. And and so I, you know, and, and and then we have some kids coming up, but are they really that exciting? Are they? Uh and and you know, the one thing that I think that was the most concerning to me after having this conversation with Max is that he believes that the Yankees next year are almost pigeonholed into a position where they have to uh, rely on their young talent, bring them up and see what happens. And that's, that's some scary shit because I don't think their young talent is that good right now uh, on the major league level. I think no, that it's the 21st Dominguez is potentially a real deal as we've seen him, you know, improve across the, uh, the. The promotions, kids raking right now in triple like, A. Granted, short, short uh, sample size, but he does feel like a real deal uh after even after naysayers have have you know come down on him when they finally got to see him play baseball. But the rest of it, it I don't know, man. It feels like a lot of Rob, Rob Ref And back in the day, Rob Ref yeah. was very exciting. It was <laughs> well, very exciting for me. You know, because we had can, nothing.
1: Can you look up what the Yankee system was ranked? in the uh, after the 16 season because I believe it was it was top five system in baseball that was the, the the one and only time we've done this podcast that the Yankees did not make the playoffs but 2016 that was one of the most fun seasons to do a podcast because yeah, the Yankees made moves at the deadline to sell and build for the future and they had a lot of kids come up in the second half of 2016 obviously Gary Sanchez and Judge the the two biggest ones but there was there was a future Ahead of that team. And so I think if you went and listened to some of those episodes we did in the second half of that year, even though the Yankees were basically out of the the playoff race, they were extremely positive and optimistic. And we talked about the kids and the future. This is downright.
2: It was also it was also like an after the era of, of the Vernon Wells of of Kevin Euclid's of like and the core four had moved on right they came
1: everyone had retired they yeah. they they had all gotten their ceremonies and, the, and their retirement tours and A Rod you know the joke is A Rod they they kicked A Rod out on a on a stormy night in August 2016 and then the next day it's sunshine and Aaron Judge comes in it's like it was it was just literally exactly how it happened. But this this shit is downright depressing what what this team is right now. The system is ranked I think 21st in baseball we talked about a couple episodes ago uh, for the mid-season rankings. It's it's not a bad system. It's a lot of depth pieces. Realistically it's probably a lot of 4A players. And the Yankees have been able to develop 4 A players, but four A players does not win you championships. That that's that's nice added depth when you need it. That that could get you, you know, to tread water for a, a couple, you know, two week or a couple fifteen day IL stints. That's not going to win you a division or or get you, you know, a championship. Logan, yeah, what was their system rank? Right?
3: So um going into twenty sixteen, they were outside the top ten and after the trade deadline they were second in all of baseball second with the with all of the acquisitions that well they funny enough at, the
2: actual acquisition the acquisitions ended up being completely nothing but that's
1: not the point though the not point, really the, though
2: yeah i mean but
1: yeah, i mean really okay well, let's not get off track here guys the point i'm making is there was Except a future labor, to look forward to yeah. There was a future to look forward to when the Yankee system was ranked second in baseball, and they had players who were going to contribute the following season. This wasn't a second-ranked system in baseball where everyone's ETA is six years from now or four right, years yeah. from now. This was everyone's ETA is in the next two seasons, and it's a top-ranked system. That was the type of optimism we had. And right now, you you've got players who you know, Pereira's coming up, uh, Paraza, you know is getting some play do you want to still throw Volpe in there? Whatever. But like, this is not a system that is going to win the Yankees a championship. And so your conversation with Max Goodman, um, why did he make that point that they're kind of backed into a corner to rely on their young kids next year?
2: Well, it's because of the the situation they're in with all of the contracts and, and, and there's not a lot of things that unless they were to eat a bunch of money, there's just not a ton of stuff that you can do. That's going to, it's going to, really affect this team in a in a massive way. There's there's no big move that when well, we talked about this at the deadline, but if you look forward, they would have to make some significant changes uh for them to to feel right. Otherwise you're you're rolling back this team and you believe in in the bad luck of of you know the things that have happened to this team. And some do believe that. Brian Cashman's one of them. I think Steinbrenner's probably also one of them. But you are going to be supplementing it with a lot of young guys. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're taking these lottery picks. When I say lottery picks, I'm talking about the minor leaguers. The, and, and, and you're parlaying them into something else via trade potentially. But again, that's the same guy that's going to be you know, building, the, building the system. So he believes that next year that there's going to be a lot of young guys uh, competing and, and, uh, and, and going to be up in the major leagues. What what do you
1: think they think is bad luck? Other than the judge injury, which I do agree is bad luck. Rizzo?
2: Rizzo is bad luck. I would say okay. Rizzo is bad luck. So you've got you're, they're they're
1: going to say judge isn't going to run into a wall and break his foot and Rizzo's not going to have a freak concussion injury that makes him yeah. unplayable. Because otherwise, I mean, if the Yankees had those two players healthy, are what position are they in? Are they battling for a wild card? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not convinced possible. of that.
2: Possible? No, I, I, it's possible. Uh, you know, I think that they they some believe in LeMahieu as as such as well. I mean, we're seeing in the second half of the way he's come back, but you know, I think that's actually that's a, that's a that's kind of a bullshit place to to think about DJ LeMahieu because DJ LeMayhu is coming off of a pretty major injury for him, and he it what it looks like now is that he took about half of a year to figure out how to play baseball with that injury. So to me, that's, that's a bad oversight, you know, and, and, and assuming that he's just going to come back and be the same guy. So that's, that's not bad luck. That That's just a, a player who's a little yeah. bit older coming back from an injury, who's had great consistency through his career, trying to refine that consistency with, uh, with something that feels different. That, that's what I believe DJ is. That, that's where I think he is right now. I still think he's a good player and that he can play baseball. Um, but time is not on his side any longer for sure. And and then yeah, I think the first half of this year was was him kind of uh, feeling out the adjustments and identifying how he can be a better player. And, and we're seeing it now since the All Star break. He's been very good. He's had a lot of power recently too. So you're seeing you're seeing DJ Lemay who start to play baseball like you expect him to.
1: Man, put a put bad oversight with a picture of Brian Cashman on a t-shirt because I feel like you can say that about a lot of things. Going into this year, they were also relying on Aaron Hicks and Oswaldo Cabrera to be their left field and Josh Donaldson to be their third baseman. Now, none of those players are going to be factors next year for the Yankees, but those are all bad oversights to rely on those guys in order to contribute because any one of us could have told you that's probably not going to work out. Like, Who believed Josh Donaldson was going to turn back into a productive major league player and Aaron Hicks has not been productive for three seasons I think we all had some hopes for Oswaldo Cabrera but is anyone shocked he can't play I don't think so
2: no and you know at the beginning of the season when you're when you're in that position as a fan base you're looking at these guys and you're and you're remembering some of the positive moments that they had in the year before and you're you're seeing the youthful exuberance and you're like all right this guy's gonna take a corner play every day the Yankees believe in him he's up here so you know he's got the ability to uh to take a job um and 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 run with it and it it just never happened. One, I, I mean, at the end of the day, at the same time, he was they never even gave him the opportunity to try to play every single day. They just you know they Aaron Hicks was also there and they dicked around with that too. So you could you could argue that the way that some of the guys were handled or have been handled as well, not getting the everyday at bats, you know, be playing more like a platoon player is not great for development. Uh, on the on the I highest think level that's, as
1: well. I think that's a product of them really truly not believing in Oswaldo Cabrera.
2: Well and if that's the case then what are we doing?
1: But don't you I don't because hear
2: that. I well no but I don't want to hear that. If that's the case then then that makes me more that gets me worked up even more. If they don't believe him, if if what you say is true. I have a hard time believing that because to me that 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 is just leaving that is not doing the go through best history. That go you through history can with this team, okay, to put a but competitive team on the field. Go through history
1: true. with this team, young players who they dick around with and kind of give the job, but only
2: if it works yeah, I know. out perfectly. They, they don't do truly believe. That's in That's why we players. were so excited for Volpe because they actually didn't. They didn't. That's do that. the first. They went against, against the grain. Grain.
1: exactly because I think they did believe and they do. And believe I think he's going to.
2: And I think that's going to pay dividends in I, year two, year three.
1: I'm also in agreement there because we're starting to see Volpe. We've got some numbers on him in the month of August. He's hopefully starting to figure it out and is going to have a strong finish to the season that he can build on into next year. But think about Clint Frazier and Brett Gardner. How many times did they flip-flop with that thing because they never truly believed in Clint Frazier? And now maybe they were right to never truly believe in Clint Frazier. What? Yeah, you're, pa- you're pausing
2: me. You got the finger up. What? I got the finger up because that's not true. We... We both acknowledge this. There's tape, definitely saying this. Clint Frazier had every opportunity to grab that, that that job by his balls, and he played like shit. So, but he they, finally
1: did play well in 2020 in the short season. The Yankees remember? tried to give
2: him that job. I will. I I can't say that I will be talking. They, tra- out of my they ass didn't. They
1: didn't though, because if you remember, 2020, you were just Logan. Mad Brett Gardner look were
2: still on the roster.
1: And he was not productive anymore, and he was still getting significant playing yeah, time he over would probably play. One of the more
2: productive Yankees, if you want to say that, he probably which would. Is
1: up. What was yeah. what was Frazier's OPS in the the COVID season? It was crazy good. It was like nine hundred something. He was yes. he
3: was batting cleanup with him and Voight were carrying the team in twenty twenty. He had a nine hundred five OPS in yeah. thirty nine games. And then he started opening day in twenty one yep. left field, mm-hmm. and
1: and sure and he struggled out out of the gate, and he basically lost the job in the first weekend of the season.
2: When I'm not did even he kidding run you. into the wall? Was it spring training? That was twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen ran into
1: the wall. Yeah, he, he so got he got the had concussion concussion he was going to get that job,
3: and he was going to be a player for them in the outfield in twenty eighteen, and then they had to call up McKinney because he was hurt with the concussion. Right. And that was when McKinney ran into. So the, the COVID
2: wall. year was was a year and a half post head injury when he ran into the wall in mm-hmm. spring training. And then, yeah. So after that season, we both looked at him. We, everybody had, that uh, this is a guy, like he's, he's taking it. The Yankees need to give it to him. Yankees need, to, and they, and they tried the first half. he played like no, shit. They yeah. No, they he, didn't try. No, they didn't
1: try. He, he barely, he, he got out of the, cake, the gate cold and he basically worked himself into a platoon in a week and a half.
3: That's not giving, 20, that's
1: not giving a guy a run.
3: He played 22 games in. April last month so in 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 april um and hit 156 with a 596 OPS. listen I, I, 22 not, games they, in, in they april, didn't
2: give him like, the volpe they didn't they didn't give they certainly they didn't, didn't give him the leash that that volpe and and okay i hear you the if you're gonna if you're gonna allow a young guy to struggle if you're gonna allow a young guy to go through something like that you need to give him enough leash to to get out of it as well
1: mm-hmm. and
2: they they didn't do it then um but i don't and maybe maybe that's what. Maybe the Volpe treatment was a little bit of looking back at certain at times that when they didn't do it and, and giving him the opportunity. They, they have no choice with Volpe, though. That's the thing. They had no choice. Well, they, they had he, he's got to be the guy. They had. I don't Peraza think they believe to in Peraza back back personally.
1: I agree. They don't believe. in I have Peraza not seen
2: anything from Peraza that gets me excited.
1: No one believes in Peraza. They haven't been able to trade him. They're not. They they took forever to promote him to the majors, even though there was every excuse to do it with Donaldson going on the IL right after the All Star break. Yeah, I I agree with you. They don't believe in Peraza. Um, and can,
2: but, we <laughs> but, can, we, please, <laughs> can we knock the ball down at third base, please? Can we knock the ball down at third base? You know, instead of letting a, a rice aroni go around and score, like just knock the ball down, just square Rice-a-roni. square up the ball, and and knock it down. What are you doing? Trying to backhand it? Stupid. I mean, like <laughs> stuff like that drives me insane. I'm sorry.
1: Like, let's uh-huh. just uh, if you if you you know. One thing, one gigantic oversight by by Brian Cashman is left field. Since 2018, they've been trying to find a left fielder and have not been able to. And every single season they go into with, here's our left field plan. It's Aaron Hicks and some other person, right? They did that for five straight seasons. Just Hicks and let, let's throw some shit against the wall.
2: I mean, that, it, was, it was left and center field. It was until they'd made a trade for Harrison Bader and then he played three months later.
1: Yeah, so um, we've got some sound. We've got a few things to talk about today. Not mu- not much of the series with Tampa, which they lost. Um, we're gonna play some sound from Jeff Passan on the Michael Kay show uh, on a couple things I really found interesting. But before we do that, yeah, you got something?
2: Go ahead. You want if re- let's read some uh, read some things, then I'll, I'll pick up. I want to say something about Tampa though.
1: Okay. Well. I want to tell you guys about AG1, which is all of your key health products in one. AG1 is loaded with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. It promotes gut health with pre and probiotics. It gives you better sleep quality and recovery and allows you to focus throughout the day. I am traveling right now. I'm at the Cape on a little family vacation. I made sure to pack seven of my little travel envelopes of AG1. I don't know what I would do without it, and it's not going to uh, it's not going to break the bank either because every single serving costs less than three dollars, and you know you are putting very very healthy things into your body. Um, it's it's also very easy to build into your daily routine. It gets delivered directly to your door on a monthly basis or whatever your preferred cadence is. They send you a nice bottle and storage container and a scoop. And all you have to do is just add some water to it, shake it up, and boom, you're ready to go. Go try it for yourself by going to drinkag1.com slash pinstripes for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. One
2: more time, drinkag1.com slash pinstripes.
1: What do you have to say about Tampa?
2: So, you know, we keep hearing about bad luck in the Yankees and the egregious uh, um, season and and how, how they're embarrassed Cashman and and Boone and and Steinbrenner, look at Tampa. Tampa Tampa has been decimated by injuries. This is the second year in a row now that they've been decimated by injuries. Uh, Springs, who was a part, a good, good part of their rotation, out uh, in in April, injury, elbow injury, out for the season. Rasmussen, July, out for the season, elbow. Uh, Taylor Walls, young third base guy, uh, oblique. Uh, he's he's he was hurt for for a while. Um, Another uh, Clevenger is a reliever out for the season. McClanahan, their stud lefty out for the season. Uh, Manny Margot has been injured. Uh, Shane uh, Shane Baz, one of their young, flame-throwing, big prospect uh, starting pitchers, out for the season. Um, And uh, Yandy Diaz has been injured. Not to mention they have Wander Franco, who has... (coughs) A, a terrible, uh, uh, thing off the field where, where there, where he's, uh, apparently had relations with, with, uh, underage girls and it's just a, a disgusting thing. They're essentially wiping the, the trop clean of wonder Franco right now, getting all re- removing any, any proof that he's ever been a, a Tampa Ray at this point. He was a number one prospect in baseball, a uh, stud baseball player, probably not ever going to play them. Uh, with them again, who knows if he plays baseball, no idea what happens. This team is still two games, two games out of first place ish just want a series with us. Like they have backups, they have contingency plans. They have a minor league system that's doing things. They, you know, they, they make moves at the deadline. They, they, they actively try to compete even though all hell has broken loose within their roster. All hell has broken loose within their roster. And yet they still can, are, are battling now for uh, they're, they're in a wild card spot. They're battling still for the division, something that the Yankees could certainly not do at, at all. Like, you know, if we're looking at what's gone wrong, woe is me. Take a look right, right in front of us. What just happened, uh, and look at the team and how they are mowing through. So I don't want to hear the bad luck stuff. I really don't. It happens. but well, the, every the
1: Yankees, when the Yankees went through all those injuries in 2019, and the next man up mentality worked, and they still won the division. You didn't hear about the bad luck. You heard about you know everyone in the organization patting themselves on the back for being able to find replacement players. So. So it's it's only bad luck when you can't find the replacement players, which the Yankees have not been able to do except for 2019 because they've had a ton of injuries 2020 through now and every single season. They have not really been able to replace those players. Tampa has always been able to replace those players. Their entire organization is replacement people.
2: They just replace and, and this people is, this is,
1: even when they don't have injuries. They're just like, oh, you're going to make too much money or we've already gotten enough out of you and your arm's probably going to fall off next year. So we're going to trade you and replace you.
2: That's what they do. This is going into this is this is a, a nice little segue, I believe, to to Passon and and some of the comments that he had about the Yankees system because not being able to not being able to to have replacement players come up and and play at a at a level that can keep you you know competing is a is a significant problem for a players significant problem. Yankees don't develop players. Yankees don't develop players, uh, and you can't just go out and sign a that many people that will that will uh, actually keep you afloat you need to do it with young players. And unfortunately, the Yankees have not been able to prove that they can do that. And I think that's a it's a an egregious problem. All right,
1: yeah. So to set this up, this was Jeff passing on the Michael K show apparently calling into the radio on a potato 57 years ago. Let's hear it, Logan.
4: To me, we can look at all of the trades that are happening in the big leagues, all of the big moves that were made, all of the big signings. To me, those are not the cause. To me, the cause of all of this, of the necessity to go out and get these guys. And to me, the greatest place where you can criticize the New York Yankees for the last 15 years is their drafts. They have drafted incredibly poorly over the last 15 years. And I'm using 15 going back to like Garrett Cole when they took him in the first round and he didn't sign in 2008. Let, let's look at what has happened in the draft since then. They, in the first round, first round draft picks, they have gotten two big league regulars. Aaron Judge is one. Anthony Volpe, who I think is going to be a big league regular for a while, is another. They have gotten two marginal rotation pieces, one in Clark Schmidt and the other in James Caprelian, who didn't even throw a pitch for the Aggies. So it's all on Clark Schmidt at this point. They've got two guys who have had cups of coffee in Blake Rutherford and Slade Heathcott. And they have had in Cedo Culver, Dante Bichette Jr., Ty Hensley, Ian Clark, and Eric Jagiello, Kyle Holder, Anthony Fieger, and potentially T.J. Sickener who's in double-A right now, but I'm going to put him because he's getting banged around down there. They have had guy after guy after guy after guy that they've taken in the first round that have not even made the big leagues. And I understand, Michael, you are handicapped picking at the back of the first round. So are the Dodgers. But the strength of an organization, exactly, exactly. But the strength of an organization is its ability to go out, scout, and develop amateur talent.
1: Okay, so that, that whole clip from Passen was like 15 minutes long or the whole segment he was on. There's some other interesting things I want to touch on, but that was really the, the, uh, the coup de grace was just his nailing the Yankees' inability over the past decade and a half to draft and develop talent. Two big league regulars, one marginal rotation arm and another guy, the Caprellian, he cited who they they traded away to, to Oakland for, for Sonny Gray among other pieces. So just
2: it's not just it's not just major league talent that's uh or uh, talent that's drafted in the major leagues also it's it's also international pool. It's it's international signings and and looking at how long they've been they've developed even even some of the top guys they've gotten have have fallen off. Obviously Dominguez was the number one guy the year that they got him um We'll see what happens with him, but they, they haven't been able to, they, the amount of hard throwing right-handed pitchers that the Yankees have had in their minor league systems over the past four years that have not worked out is crazy. Luis Medina, Medina, and like those other, there, there've been like six or seven or eight. I might even be understating this. However, many of those guys that are, that are a similar makeup, Abreu that, that couldn't throw strikes, but, but throw 99 miles per hour. Couldn't can't throw strikes, but but throw very hard. There's a plethora of those guys that have either been shipped out in in trades um, or just haven't worked out and and have not been able to find uh the strike zone. And there's no, there's no development. If you if you believe that you're gonna take raw talent like that, you need to be able to develop that talent and hone it in. Hone in the physical skills of said players. And they have not been able to do it
1: and so Passon started the interview with michael k talking about how yankees fans should be so lucky to be fans of an organization that has had 30 straight winning seasons and been in the playoffs so many years and every organization in baseball would be lucky to have that every fans like they don't he's i think he's he said he's a midwest guy i think he's a saint louis guy so but like so the cardinals is not a good example because i feel like the cardinals are right there with the yankees on always having consistent teams but you know, the guardians or whatever team you want to name with a uh, low payroll and in and out of competitive seasons. But I just think it's like, how can cool, you say have that a high and payroll then,
2: in and out of seasons? Well, exa- well,
1: it's just like, I don't know how he could say that. And then five minutes later, talk about how terrible the Yankees have been at drafting and not understand why Yankees fans are frustrated. It's like you're spending the most money in baseball. You're putting a team on the field that should be competitive enough to i understand you can't win a championship every year but compete for a championship every year and they're not able to do that and they're not able to add through the draft and so you just get yourself into this vicious cycle of adding players like josh donaldson and other awful acquisitions that they've backed into a corner to making it's like now you don't understand why yankees fans are frustrated this team was on the doorstep of winning a championship in 2017, and every single season they've taken a giant step back. I'm sorry, Jeff Passan. It's very obvious why Yankees fans are frustrated, and they have a right to be frustrated.
2: Well, the other thing that 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 some people just don't understand is when you have a team like the Yankees, like, of course, yes, for all those that, that were uh, around in the 90s and were able to witness that in the early 2000s, great. It was, it was tremendous. It was the, it was the best time to be a fan of any team in any sport. It was, it was amazing. Um, That's a long time ago. (laughs) Logan wasn't alive. Okay. There are a lot of people that watch the Yankees that were not alive for that. (laughs) And what they do on a, on, on a, on a yearly basis now is they build your expectations to a point by spending the money acting like there's a competitive team that's going to go out there acting like this is all going to happen. And then it doesn't. When you, when you have, when you spend that much money and you're doing it in a way that's, that's, uh, that's not putting together the team that, that leads to those expectations that lives up to those expectations. That's almost worse. That's almost worse. Like, give me a, you know, if the guardians, if I'm a, if I'm a Cleveland fan fan, I'm like, I know that the, the, the Utes, Gotta play well for us to win. Like I know it. I know that our pitching's got to be really good, and we got to get a couple surprises from the from from the young guys that gotta play well. And the and things have to fall right. I know that. That's my expectation. I understand that. And going into this, like there because there's a lot of things that could be gravy. Like we're in the hunt, cool, awesome, great. Different mindset. You're coming from you're starting in a different place when you're a Yankees fan. And so not to mention, we're all a little bit crazy. There's a little bit of lunacy in all of our brains. Uh, you know, being from the 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 tri-state area, you mix in that with with a team that just completely underperforms year after year after year. You're gonna you that that's that is. The, I don't care what people say about the definition of, it, uh, of insanity. That is the definition of insanity. That's how you drive someone to to the to the insane place. That's how you get people to be absolutely. Uh, you know. Wild about about how they think about a particular team, and it sounds to outsiders probably, you know, a bit over the top. But they've put us in this position. <laughs> they've put us in this position with the expectations.
1: Well, it's like let's go back to 2017. In all of those years, what is the one year that you would say they did not underachieve? It was 2017, and everyone it was 2017 and everyone remembers that season fondly. Every other year, they underachieved. And those seasons suck.
2: Okay, so it's like- and the year that they the year that they didn't underachieve. After that year, they fired their manager. They pulled back under the tax threshold, and they didn't spend any money. And they didn't they didn't make their team better. They did not make their team better. They actually made their team worse, or they stood pat. They didn't do what they needed to do. They got and, staying, it, it and so passing in the, it in the thing to talked go.
1: about. Passing in in the interview talked about how the Stanton trade is when you can sort of it's the line of demarcation when things started to go wrong for the Yankees and he said but that's not fair because everyone was in favor of that move when Brian Cashman made it they were trading for and in his prime MVP for less money than he you know the other team was eating money and they traded no players away like yes we all know on the face of it that made sense and I feel like I'm I sound like a broken record but. Cashman did not do his job in evaluating what the team needed at that point, and they did not need Giancarlo Stanton. They needed other pieces, and he he did not go out and get those pieces for one reason or the other. I don't know exactly what those reasons are. Some people believe it's because that he had a mandate to get under the luxury tax, and he couldn't get the pieces like Machado or Harper to make the team actually better, so he had to pivot to making the team different. <laughs> not better not worse maybe who knows but different by adding pieces that that uh, is not what they necessarily needed and now the other thing i want to talk about from that interview is that anthony he,
2: Siegler was a first round <laughs> was a first round
1: pick. yes yes he was he was a first round pick um he's like a yeah.
2: I, I can catch and throw with my left and right hand mm-hmm. yep ambidextrous um a little circus freak
1: he passed and said the Josh Donaldson move is probably the worst move of of the last five years for Brian Cashman. And he brought up that the Yankees knew when they traded for him, he was basically a clubhouse pariah. They were trading for a bad guy who did not get along with anybody in Minnesota. And that's one of the reasons why Minnesota was trying to do everything in their power to get rid of him. And the Yankees knowingly acquired this guy who was not going to be good for the clubhouse. And what happened? Josh Donaldson came in, underperformed, In his first year with the team, had the Tim Anderson, Jackie Robinson thing, which just feels grosser the more you think about it, and the more you know about Josh Donaldson, the farther away you get from it, just the worse you feel about that thing. And then this year, no, no, I guess no a hole moment from Josh Donaldson, but just
2: couldn't can't hit, can't hit. Well, he he he. He he pulled the manager aside for an hour, and everybody right. was late. You know, so like there was he there was a stink, and and, and let's let's get something very very clear here. This wasn't just a, a Josh Donaldson in Minnesota problem. I, I I I talked with when we, when we do our Toronto uh, updates, like this this was a big topic of conversation. I think two years ago they needed they they essentially exiled him from from Toronto as well he was an mvp they, in toronto
1: so it's like, and they
2: still wanted him out they, they I know, still I know, exactly. needed him gone so this was a you know he's he's always been that he's always been that 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 polarizing type figure but he played baseball well at the moment and when you play baseball well and you're an asshole you can look past it uh but when you're not playing baseball and well and, and at the same level and you're still an asshole then you know, you look different. You just look like an asshole.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely, there's like a 15 minute clip of the passing thing on, on uh, YouTube uh, that I was watching um, some interesting stuff in there, but the drafting and developing thing is, is probably the worst of it and why they're backed into a corner with a lot of these moves and why they had to go out and spend so much money on specific free agents to quote unquote, fix the team, right? Like what was Garrett Cole going to be? He was going to fix the team. Turns out Cole's been very good for the Yankees. It didn't fix the team though. They needed so much more than just the number one pitcher. Carlos Rodon this offseason, their big acquisition was going to fix the team. How, how many starts has he made at this point? Eight starts, nine starts. So and we're, we're basically throughout the season. So he's missed two thirds of the season, like not going to fix the team. So they're, Not going to fix the
2: team. He's made it worse. He's made the team worse. He's made the team worse. He has been a bad acquisition thus far. Injured comes out, Tommy Tough guy. Uh, then then comes back. Does is he still over a six ERA? Uh, did he? I know he, he didn't might have really dipped. Do much, under, uh, he for might have dipped ERA under wise. Eh, I mean he he still pitched like shit today. Okay, like he <laughs> he he gave up the two runs early. Granted that that first run probably shouldn't have scored. But the next pitch or the next batter, five ninety seven, uh, just by the skin of his teeth, yeah, underneath went deep. Uh, so you know both runs are scoring anyway. It Doesn't matter. And then uh, you know he pitched himself out of out of uh, pitched himself out of. He got out of uh, some some big jams too. Uh, you know, bases loaded jams. And anyway, what what did he get through? Four and a third is that what it was? So four and two thirds something. You, that's not that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable anymore. Like I know it's your. Is this the second one back. Second uh, second start back. You know, I I just uh, it's been a bad signing, a really second bad start signing. back so, from his
1: second eye, Elston.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't even keep track of it anymore. So I understand what Passen's saying, but but there's been a there there have been a lot of bad free agent signings also. So you and, know, and so uh, to someone
1: on the outside like Passen, not that he's I mean he's as inside as someone on the outside can be. He's a national baseball writer, so he has to be on the inside of a lot of teams, specifically the Yankees, who are going to get more coverage. But you have to truly be following this team day in and day out like we have for our entire lives and how so many people out there do to understand how it's it's so many little things over the past six, seven years that have led to where the Yankees are. And that's why the frustration is where it is today. It's not like this team... Pulled a Steve Cohen in the, the offseason and tried to fix everything by spending $350 million. No, this has been building since 2018 and the bubble has burst. Okay. And so, yes, people are frustrated. They have a, a very you say clear the bubble right to burst, be frustrated.
2: That's the problem. The, I don't think the bubble's burst yet, honestly,
1: because. How how is it not burst? They're in last place and they're going to finish below five hundred. Yeah, no,
2: season. no. This is a this is this is part of the. Uh, this, I mean, this is a rock bottom moment. But that doesn't mean the it burst. That doesn't mean it's over. If if I'm thinking of a burst, I think it's over, and you're on the way back. What I meant by, by the it's bubble. Uh,
1: so I'm I'm treating the bubble as burst, like um like I don't know why the housing crisis stuck out in my mind. It's like <laughs> the the bubble finally burst, and everyone realized like no one can pay these mortgages, right? Like oh, the bubble has finally burst, and everyone finally realized no one in this lineup can hit.
2: Yeah, but then, but then you have to, you know, pay your mortgage for the next three years. There's no, there, there's no bailout. That, that and that's exactly where we're at, where the Yankees are right now. Where's the bailout? Because unless this and this is what I was talking about with Goodman. I'm like, Steinbrenner has to be able to spend money. He, he's got to he's got to open it up and be able to try to fix some of these issues. But, I'm but not saying he's throwing already, money uh, at it. He's already spending three hundred million dollars. But you got to do it. I know, but it, but in the wrong way. That's the thing. You got to do more now. You it's going to look so bad. And that's the problem. Is he? Is he even willing to do that? And Goodman and probably other beat writers, because I'm sure they all talk. They, I know they all talk and they're all coming up with their own theories. And this is probably some groupthink as well, if you're reading between the lines here. They are in a position where they're going to have to depend on the young guys because they're not going to continue to spend. And they're with the same people. That's the, that's, damn. And that is now, truly the now, worst place to be. And now the bubble has is- not burst. The bubble, the bubble is exploding. There's some warts coming out that are like, "Yo, that shit's not safe," but it hasn't, it hasn't burst yet. It hasn't burst yet.
1: Well, that is a scary thought because that is truly the worst place to be. Is dependent spending... on
2: young people. That well, no,
1: no, no, I'm not, not... No, that's not, no. What I'm saying is the worst place to be in baseball specifically is a team that has a high payroll but is not willing to just literally have any payroll in order to win to stop at a certain point you just end up being where the yeah without
2: acknowledging even even if the the money that you did spend was the wrong money when you're looking at it now you're identifying Mm -hmm. okay wasn't wasn't the right money but we spent it so we can't go out and spend anymore because we're we are where we are that's like
1: every time you see a team go out and make splash free agent signings like the Mariners did with Robinson Cano or like, remember when the Marlins went out? And like signed? the
2: Padres have a reckoning coming to them. They're, they're going to oh, be. sure. They're going to be in the, they're going to be the
1: Padres dog shit in three years. Um, when, remember when the Marlins randomly won off season and signed like Mark Barley and Jose Reyes and, and just like, they're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go for it this year. And then they were like, oh, right. We're still a 500 team. It's like the Marlins have, have done that a bunch of times in their
2: history. Yeah. But it's worked for them at times too. So. It worked
1: then, for them. To, it worked for them twice. Yeah, yeah. It so they for see, twice.
2: When, when and when it happens twice, and you're you just throw it, like, oh, hey, hey, let's try now, and then it works. You're like, hey, I mean, we could do that again. Like, I I kind of understand that.
1: So <laughs> they, they it, weren't
2: it, trying to build a sustained team.
1: It's um that is a scary place to be. Is next year going into it basically saying, yeah, well, we're stuck with with this, this, and this. Obviously, Cole and Judge not stuck with those guys those guys are still two of the best at their position but you're stuck with a lot of other players that are making a lot of money you might be you're definitely stuck with stanton you're seems like you're going to be stuck with carlos Rodon. seems like you're going to be stuck with a lot of other seems like you players. are
2: you have carlos Rodon on your roster that's 100 percent. no what i
1: meant is like i mean but if he pitches well seems well like if year, he doesn't pitch well not, you mean yeah if he pitches like they signed him to pitch. Okay, fine. Then you're paying 28 million dollars for a good pitcher. Okay, I can live with that. But when you're paying 28 million dollars for a pitcher that spends half the time on the IL and then flashes his nuts to the to the crowd and has a 5.97 ERA, it's like, sorry. It's kind of stuck with him.
2: Yeah. No. So and that's assuming that they're they're right. And and you know, a big question mark with Rizzo uh coming back as well at some point. Again, just because we've seen it in the past, I I, and I, I, I do believe that that was, that's, that's, that's bad luck with a, with a little bit of like a sprinkle of, of shitty, uh, handling, <laughs> The you know? injury was bad luck. Yeah. And then they mishandled it for two right. months. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's even hard to say that one, uh, except that I just, I feel badly for the, for the player. And and I want I, I I love Rizzo I I think he was was a very good acquisition I I like I still liked the signing I'm not going to go back and shit on the signing because I liked it at the time still like it I still think he's a good player it's an unfortunate uh you know this this whole head thing is unfortunate and and we just don't know what he's going to be after this you know it, nobody knows it tells, Rizzo doesn't know
1: um we t- I said this uh, a couple weeks ago uh, Justin Morneau from from Minnesota it. it Ended his career effectively. Yeah, he was still a prime player when he got that concussion, and it it ruined him. Yeah. All All right, so we're going to
2: of an MVP.
1: He did. Uh, we're going to spend a couple minutes towards the end here talking about some positive things, believe it or not. But before that, Game Time is our preferred ticketing app because it is the easiest way to buy tickets to whatever you want to go to. Sporting sporting events, concerts, comedy shows, theater, and much, much more. The app has a ton of cool features and is easy to use. It shows you trending tickets, what the, what sections the best deals are in, calls out cheap options and flash deals, and so much more so you can buy, uh, make an informed purchase. There's also event cancellation Protection so you can buy with confidence. I love the app because you get images of your seats before you buy. It's a fast buying process, a couple taps, and you are done. And the tickets go directly to your phone, so you don't have to go through your emails to find them. You can snag tickets today without stress using Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Bronx for $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Once again, download the app, use code Bronx for $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Uh, Quickly, Scott, uh, talking about Game Time. Reminded me, I wanted to read some text messages for my dad. Um, so, <laughs> keep in mind, I saw my dad the, the last few days. So he texted me this today during the game. I saw him less than twenty four hours ago. He screamed at me about the Yankees for three straight days. Mm-hmm. That apparently was not enough. He needed to rant, text me as well. Well, he's, on, he's so, on
2: a he's on a bender now. It's like you know,
1: just keeps going. It's hard to get off of it. 1:55 p.m. today, so that was what the second inning when Carlos
2: wrote down. Not came even up. it was a late, yeah, it was a late start, like 1:40 start, right?
1: Um, he said to me, "The season can't end quick enough for this group of losers." In all, in all caps, he said, "The way this team is playing just backs the fact that there are a bunch of gutless, overpaid bums. Only an idiot would pay to watch this team right now." He as he's watching the team. Meanwhile, watching the team as he's watching the team. <laughs> this organization better hope Judge is not one hundred percent because he is on track to have a full se- season of one hundred and fifty strikeouts. A player has a better chance at hitting the ball with his eyes closed. The team has uh, this has to be one of the worst contracts in baseball history, and that's where I was like the right, Judge Dad. contract. <laughs> I was like, Dad, okay, chill out with Aaron Judge. I said. The, the team sucking isn't Judge's fault. It's a horribly constructed roster and horribly managed. And he said, I agree, but facts are facts. He has not been uh, as he has not been, uh, he, I think a typo, but basically he was saying he has not been the player he is since he came back from injury. I was like, yeah, because he's no probably shit. hurt and he's still fourth in the ale and home runs and he missed two months. And so we went on from there. But I just, uh, you know, the passion and fire from my dad. If the Yankees have not lost him yet, they're never going to
2: lose him. So in the in the first inning today, you're looking at runner on, stealing a uh, uh, Rosarena, stealing second base. Higgy just airmailing a ball into center field. It wasn't even close. Volpe puts the tag on. No ball. Not even the ball's not even close to him. Not. I mean, not even. I'm not even going to jump for the ball close and and holds the tag on 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 uh, on, on rice aroni and then he and then he keeps running uh, after he realizes it and then the throw comes in gets past uh uh who's playing third base today it's like this is crazy um anyway Jeffrey, gets past man. gets past radon who's also backing up and makes the throw home and he scores like it's 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 literally shit man it's it was like it was egregious little league shit. Egregious Parazzo little league shit. Base. Yeah. Parazzo was play. Thank you.
1: <clears throat> well, that that's a nice uh little segue into some some numbers on Volpe that we wanted to mention. Having a really good August, two fifty seven um batting average, three forty one on base percentage, five fourteen slugging for an eight fifty five OPS uh in twenty three games this month. And his defensive metrics this season are also pretty damn good, which I think is A surprise. I mean, uh, people obviously were highly rating his bat, I think. Would you agree the biggest question was how is he going to be defensively at shortstop going into the season? Don't you think that was like the biggest question for him?
2: That was a huge question because they were talking about uh, Peraza was the, the defensive guy was the defensive guy and, and Volpe. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk about Volpe playing second base. Uh, So, so yes, defensively, that was, I'd say the biggest, um, the biggest thing that did that people were looking at the offense from 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 hearing from everybody, the scouts, all, all the all the baseball people, all the, even the nerds were even saying like the offense is there, offense is there. It's uh, it's the defense is a question mark. And yeah, he's played, he's been very good. He's been very yeah. good. I, yeah. And I, I could care less if his arm is a tick lower than. You don't need you don't need the strongest arm in the world when you when you get to the ball well when you when you have a quicker release when you you know you do a lot of the things right you can make up for that. So. That's not that's not a, a concern. I don't think he's a bad arm either by any means.
1: So he's got 15 DRS at shortstop, which is the second most in baseball, and he's got he ranks 11th in UZR and 16th in outs above above average. So some of the defensive metrics may be middle of the pack, others near the top of the pack. Um, do you think what we are seeing, like? We've talked a lot about Volpe this year. He had a couple stretches early in the season. I think the thing we were most impressed with early was his plate discipline seemed like he did have good command of the strike zone, even if he wasn't getting hits. And then he just completely lost that for a while throughout the season. Um, he made those adjustments in in when did they play the Mets? Was that July that they, he did the chicken parm adjustment? Um, but then he went back into another little slump, and then we just had those numbers from August. So
2: and this is uh, – I, I was asking Logan in the chat here the um, his strikeout percentage because to me, that's a huge indicator of of a player making the correct adjustments. And in August, uh, he's at a 19.8 percentage. Uh, Significantly strikeout.
1: down from the first half of the season.
2: May was – yeah, May was uh, what, 30%, 30, 30 – almost 32%. So yeah, he's, he's, he's cutting it down actually every month except for May. So March, April – um, he was at 28% May 31%, June 27%, July 25%, August 19.8%. So you, that, that is, that is what I call progress. And when I see a young guy making progress like that with good defense, timely hitting as well, like I don't yeah. think big moments are a problem for him at all. He, he doesn't, he doesn't get phased by that. The kid's pretty even keeled, um, I, I like what I see I think there's a lot of really good things to like and I think he's I, I still I believe he's going to be a very good player and i'm I'm excited about anthony volpe I, I think he's a he's a really good player so yeah and, and i'm
1: I'm that is one of the um the few things I'm excited about right now for the team. I think had he finished this season in the stretch that we saw in the middle of the summer where he looked really bad, I think that would have been a huge letdown, obviously. But I, I would have thought, like, you know, that's going to be tough to rebound from. But it, even if he just finishes the year on a good two month stretch or a month and a half stretch, that can be massive going into next season because the rest of the shit is just a complete throwout, right? Like, obviously, the season is a throwout. But if you can find some positives, Volpe being one of them, and they make some changes in the offseason, obviously. You know, we're all going to talk ourselves into championship in twenty twenty four.
2: Let's let's also not not forget something too. I mean, Anthony Volpe has been playing in a complete dog shit lineup as well. If you actually surround him with, you know, relatively decent major league baseball players that that can that can that can hit a little bit, he's going to see more pitches as well. So you know, if you're if you're looking at how a rookie is getting pitched and and the type of pressure that's on a guy like him, given the circumstances of of how unproductive this entire offense has been, it's actually made it more difficult for him uh, as well. So that that's another piece of this is 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 that he's not getting pitched to like like he would if if Sten and Judge and Lemayhu and all these guys are are you know and. Or lighting it up and, and hitting well. If he's batting in the nine spot with with you know a murderer's row in front of him uh at the top of the lineup, a lot of strikes are gonna be thrown to Anthony Volpe. And I bet his numbers are, are significantly uh better as far as you know production and and you know on base percentage, average, things like that. But what I do see here, even in a complete dog shit lineup, the plate discipline's getting better. He's striking out less, he's getting more comfortable. The defense is there. So that's a lot of progress, and and you could you could probably put the scale on his progress even a, a, a tick higher because of how bad the surrounding offense has been as well.
1: I'm looking at this chart again that Logan dropped in here. So he walked 14.8 percent of the time in March and April, and then down to four percent in May when he struck out almost 32 percent of the time. Then his walk rate went back up to 10.5 percent in June, and now it seems like it's been settling, you know, seven to eight or nine percent. Um, I wonder if the 14% walk rate was you know, that's that's weird to start start the year walking 14% of the time striking out almost 30% of the time we're like not really getting a lot of hits it was it was kind of an odd start offensively to his major league career um but if he can settle in around a 9% walk rate 19% strikeout rate well if you look at March and April too spot.
2: at at a 15% walk rate and still the, the K percentage is, is up is that you know he just wasn't chasing pitchers out of the zone. Uh, you know, they were they were trying to get him to chase early on, and and he just wasn't chasing what they thought he was gonna chase. But the, the fact that his walk percentage went so far down, uh he he put tape out, you know what I mean? Like he got guys knew where to throw to him at that point, so there was an yeah. you can see fast, the adjustment for the pitchers, fastball up and in. <laughs> yeah, you can see the adjustment by the pitchers right there. And and it's it's not great for him, especially uh, if you know what's happening around you isn't isn't as great. So again, those are the, uh, with a rookie guy like that. There's adjustments on both sides, um, but as you're seeing now, now that everybody has made adjustments to him, there's enough tape on him. They all know everybody's played him, and and he's done the same thing. You're you're settling in now to 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 maybe see, you know, the type of player that he can be, and I think it's just going to continue to progress in that manner. So um, again, I'm excited for him.
1: So, is there anything else in September you want to see other than Volpe finishing the year strong? Like, what else? What else would you want to see?
2: I gotta see Carlos Rodon pitch well. I gotta see Carlos do Rodon you? pitch. Do you? Yeah, I do. I need to see it. I need to see it with my own two eyes. I need to see that man shove. I need to see him fully healthy. Uh, it would almost bother me. I think it would seventh. bother me. Whatever. I, I this this season doesn't matter anymore. So I need to see exactly. I need to see the ability. I, I, I could. You're dwelling in the past. I, I can't do that anymore. I have to look forward. So I need to see him do well at this point. Okay. I have. to And You to think see that.
1: that'll build into next year? You think Carlos? I don't Rodon's know if it'll shoving... build
2: into this year. I just need to be able to see it with my own eyes, so I can understand why they gave this man the money that they did. So, uh, go, so go watch
1: some footage of him from San Francisco last year.
2: Uh, you know what? I remember. I, I remember uh, Rodon being good, but also not good, uh, with Chicago. And that's, that's what's in, burned in my brain. Um, so the other thing I want to see, and you know, Brian Cashman has pretty much alluded to the fact that this isn't going to happen is I want to see Jason Dominguez, uh, play another couple weeks, uh, down in Scranton and get the call up and play left field every day for the last four weeks uh, of the season. That's what I want to see.
1: Yeah. That seems like a long shot. What about Austin? Wells?
2: why, but why? No, I
1: listen, I'm <laughs> service time. I, I no, because we're past Because it doesn't the matter, point. actually. Yeah, yeah we're, so, we're past the point. Th- so this there's would would no reason.
2: reason. There's no reason.
1: Coddling a young player, not wanting to stunt his growth. I don't know, whatever. There's no pressure they're use. at this
2: point. There's nothing left in the season. So that's a perfect opportunity. It's exactly that you, you want to recreate a 16 opportunity that, that that is similar, where there's nothing to lose. Kids are young and dumb and just playing out of their minds because they don't know any better. That young is, and dumb in a positive see, way. That That's Cashman. what we found. If
1: Cashman wants to throw a Hail Mary for this season, not to- There's no Hail Mary. No. No, That had to
2: happen three weeks ago.
1: No, no, what I'm saying is if if Cashman wants to throw a Hail Mary to somehow win some fans back before the offseason, you call up Dominguez and he plays well, and then Volpe finishes strong, and then people would be excited- for 2024, they will forget very quickly what happened this year if the Martian and Volpe are going to be the cornerstones to build around Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole.
2: Because people are I'm, stupid. <laughs> well, they're not. It's not that they're stupid, is people that People are that, goldfish, that, they have short memories. But that would be. You can still get mad. You can still be mad about what happened this year, and, and also be excited. They're not mutually exclusive. You, you can do both. You can do both. And when you have a young player like Jason Dominguez, who has been heralded from day one, uh, if if this kid, and then and then not, and then knocked down on the prospect list, and you know maybe that was an opportunity for him, a little chip on the shoulder moment for for Jason Dominguez, saying, "Oh, you don't you don't think I'm you don't think I'm him, but I am. I am that guy." And, and now he's he's uh, he's mad at the world on a on a, on a mission to um, to show that he is the next. What, what, who was he compared to Mike Trout Mickey Mantle uh remember that graphic there were a lot of graphics that were put up with him uh, like with ridiculous people.
1: I think they're probably going to so how much uh, time did Volpe get at AAA last year?
2: like two weeks right because they it was mentioned that
1: yeah so they're gonna probably try and do the same thing with dominguez as they're doing they did with volpe last year and he'll be battling in spring training next year for the outfield spot and then they hope he wins it and he will be maybe the hopefully he'll be the opening day guy and they let him have a run
2: but then they then the service have- time doesn't that become a, a, a thing for him in the in next of year? Of course. If
1: he, yes, service time would start next year if he if, he's, right. if he plays. A, yeah. But I think that's so what they're probably going to be doing.
2: I mean, it's the same track. He's, he's just up a little earlier than I, Volpe. I know. When does the AAA season end? <laughs> yeah, 22 games he was up. So it's about the same, I think. But yeah, there's no reason for, for him not – given what, what is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Last year, you couldn't do that with Volpe because it was a different situation this situation is is all all for bringing in uh, a young guy uh, and as many young guys as you can as you can find and and playing them
1: all That's right it. well we didn't think we we're going to talk for long and it's almost an hour
2: i could probably have this same conversation every day for like the next 3 months to be honest and still not be tired of it because it's
1: someone so, so <clears throat> someone that we we're, we saw this uh this weekend. They know obviously I do this podcast. I'm a huge Yankees fan. They're like, so so what went wrong with the Yankees this year? And I am just like, oh, buddy,
2: pony off. Sometimes people are asking me that recently. I'm like,
1: you, you got 45 minutes? Yeah. Let me lay it out for you. All right. That's gonna wrap up today's show. Thank you yeah, to so- Athletic Greens and to Game Time for sponsoring us today. And uh we'll be back at you again later this week. There will, I think towards uh after we get past this week. Um, you know, maybe Scott and I are going to put our, our, our brains together and get the guys involved to try and do some different things the rest of the way, you know, other than having this conversation again for the, <laughs> 11 more times before the season ends. Cause that
2: might get a little stale. Well, September call-ups, you know, September call-ups, then we'll, we'll see what happens. See what happens from there. Got to find the storylines to find the narratives.
1: All right. We'll talk to you guys in a few days.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.